The following podcast has been paid for by the Drew World Order. You're listening to the Drew World Order of Wrestling Podcasts. This week we have a good show. We, of course, talk about the week in wrestling, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW Dynamite. We talk about the build to Fighter Fest for AEW, the build to the Great American Bash for NXT. We discuss the Speaking Out hashtag uh, on social media. We talk about uh, Impact Wrestling. We Yes, we, we mentioned Impact Wrestling here uh, for once. Uh, maybe the first time ever on the Drew World Order podcast that we talk about uh, Impact Wrestling in some sense uh, in a specific uh, defined way. Um, so find out what we talk about with Impact Wrestling. And uh, we talk about a little bit of coronavirus also, which is something we usually don't talk about on the Drill World Order podcast. But of course, it's wrestling-centered, uh, and let us get into that, and let's talk about the Drews and Notes from this week in wrestling. I'm afraid I've got some bad news! The Drews and Notes section deals with the important information of the week or interesting information in the week of wrestling. We have a lot to talk about here in this segment. Usually there's not uh, a fair amount of notes. Actually, within the last couple of months when I've started this podcast, it's kind of interesting. It's either like feast or famine. There's either a lot to talk about or not a lot to talk about. This is one of those weeks where there is a lot to talk about. Let's start out with... The most important issue of the whole podcast, which is the speaking out movement that has been going on, especially on Twitter, but throughout social media about uh, the wrestling community and abuse in the wrestling community and how it's impacted so many uh, different wrestlers, female, even some males, um, and how it's uh, that part of the wrestling community is toxic and it, and it needs to be addressed and many many people spoke out many wrestlers spoke out which is super awesome to see and read um i have my own story about abuse uh but that's not about wrestling so uh i'll just uh leave it at that but i can certainly empathize and understand what those people have been through and are going through and will continue to struggle through because um, it is a, a daily uh, daily thing, daily reminder that uh, comes across your mind um, and it affects you every day as a, as a person um, and who you are. Um, so hopefully uh, this will lead to a lot more progression in the wrestling community. And... Uh, I feel like uh, within at least the last 10 years, the wrestling community has really changed uh, for the positive. Um, it used to be, uh, especially like uh, um, locker room-wise, when you hear wrestlers talk about the locker room, it 
wasn't as open, um, and, uh, like, people getting kicked out of the locker room, and it's uh, a lot more competitive, and, um, dog eat dog world, which, where nowadays it's more of a teamwork communal type of, uh, effort from everybody, which, you know, uh, the rising tide lifts all, so it helps everybody, uh, um, and that's something that, uh, the wrestling community and we as fans need to also contribute to, um, a lot of the toxicity in the wrestling culture has to do with us. Now, I'm not the type of person who does this, but there are a lot of vocal minority uh, wrestling fans is for audience members who say these things that are just horrible and um, they attack wrestlers on social media for no apparent reason. Um, and, and at this point, there's no excuse. We all know wrestling is scripted, so why are you getting angry at people just playing characters? You don't get mad at movie characters, you know, for being bad guys in movies, or you don't get mad at the real-life actors. Um, that's what wrestlers are. They're playing a role. Sure, there's a lot of uh, gray that is in wrestling, where the uh, line between fantasy and reality is uh, is very... Uh, uh, it, it goes... It, it, blends in together, um, where what is real and what is, uh, not real, and that's when wrestling is at its best, but, uh, the reality is these people are just playing characters, they're putting on a performance, so you're attacking somebody for their performance, um, on social media, and, and you'll, you say things that aren't even close to anything you would say in, if you were in front of that person. Um, so we need to work on as fans as well, not just wrestlers and the promoters and the bookers and companies of wrestling. It's also the, the wrestling fans. We have to be better about being progressive and uh, standing out and speaking out for others who are um, getting this hate and, and getting this type of abuse, um, no matter what it is. Um, so I'll, I'll move off of that. Um, actually a lot of this whole section is, is, is uh, is, uh, uncomfortable news to talk about. Um, typically I don't talk a lot about coronavirus on here cause this is an escape. It's a, a podcast about wrestling. Um, and, uh, a lot of us going through, uh, the coronavirus situation now don't, particularly want to deal with coronavirus because it's uh all surrounding and this to me is an escape this podcast and hopefully it's an escape for you but uh there are a good amount of wwe uh personnel who apparently tested positive for covid19 now three specifically that came out publicly uh publicly i should say uh renee young came out uh, Kayla Braxton and Adam Pierce all came out. So Adam Pierce might be the least well known. Um, he is a former wrestler. He's a WWE producer. Adam Pierce was the guy who uh, was conducting the meeting for the Intercontinental Championship uh, Battle Royal a couple of weeks ago after the car accident uh, storyline 
with Jeff Hardy and Sheamus and Elias on SmackDown. And uh, so that that's how you can identify him. Adam Pierce, um, he came out on Twitter, said he had COVID. Renee Young also came out and said she had COVID, which obviously affects AEW as well. She's married to John Moxley, AEW champion. They have Fighter Fest coming up next week. Um, but he wrestles in two weeks. Um, and uh, hopefully they're uh, quarantined, isolated away from each other. Um, but there's certainly something weird going on because Kayla Braxton also came out and said she got coronavirus and that she's actually gotten it twice. She had it in early March and then now she got it again. And so she made an Instagram post uh, saying that uh, uh, people or you know, studies showing that you can't get it twice, you know, she got it twice. So that's uh, not true. Just uh, take care of yourself. You have to wash your hands, wear your masks. I say that pretty much at the at the end of uh, every podcast here. And so hopefully everybody's doing that. But uh, yeah, and apparently there's a lot more people um, behind the scenes or who even haven't been named yet who have COVID um, in WWE. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts uh, the show, which uh, all this started coming out in the middle of the week after Raw. Um, so then on SmackDown, I did notice some of the NXT superstars in the audience were wearing masks. Not all of them, though. Um, so that was a little weird um, how some of them were and some of them weren't. I don't know. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure why all of them weren't required to wear masks. Uh, kind of mixed signals being sent there by WWE or if it's a personal choice or whatever it may be. Um, but I think it would be important for WWE to come out and say, like, the people not wearing masks uh, have signed a waiver and are choosing not to wear masks, um, saying, like, if they get coronavirus, it's their fault. Um, but they're putting people at risk anyway. You know, them not wearing masks is putting others at risk, and I think it's just best at this point, um, especially with the the way the world is now, it seems like there's a new uptake in uh, coronavirus uh, um, cases um, since things have opened up in a lot of the uh, a lot of the states in the United States. There's starting to become an uptick, um, and a lot of people calling this the second wave of coronavirus. I don't know. I'm not a medical professional, um, but certainly something we need to continue to be proactive about um, with protecting yourself, protecting others, wear a mask, wash your hands, um, stay in as much as you possibly can. I know uh, people get stir-crazy. Luckily, I'm a pretty introverted person when it comes to going out and doing stuff. I do like it every once in a while, but I'm more of a homebody, so uh, uh, I'm okay in that respect, but I know people who really like going out or really struggling but uh, try your best to to stay in your home and find new hobbies or something that you can do to occupy your time so that we can try to get this coronavirus uh, under more control and so when things open up everybody can go it's, this is a group project this is not an individual project and everybody's had group projects in their life where uh, if there's one person in the group who doesn't pull their weight, the project doesn't go as well. And so that's where we are now. If everybody just 
you know, follows the recommendations of medical professionals, the CDC, um, then hopefully this will be over sooner rather than later. Um, and something that also ended uh, sooner rather than later was Tessa Blanchard's employment at Impact Wrestling. She was the Impact World Champion. Not Women's Champion. World Champion. The Impact World Champion. And uh, what I, from what I read, I guess Tessa and the Impact uh, ownership... Um, couldn't come to an agreement on uh, terms for contracts, uh, something like that. But this is interesting. Tessa is a huge name in women's wrestling, one of the biggest names, especially outside of WWE. Um, and I know there's a little bit of controversy with some of the things that she said recently or uh, that came out about her. I'm not 100% totally sure what she said. Um, I just know whatever it was was controversial, so I'll leave it at that because I don't want to say anything totally incorrect because um, I don't fully know the situation, but this is a huge deal. Um, it's pretty complicated, must be, with her uh, controversial remarks, but being a big superstar, you know, where is she going to go? Um, I would more than likely probably see her in WWE because WWE's dealt with a lot more controversial stuff and can uh, they know how to put the PR spin on something um, and to put somebody on a leash to um, help uh, rehabilitate their image. I mean, look what they've done for Hulk Hogan or even something as small as like Randy Orton who's had two uh, wellness policy uh Strikes. He's had two of those, and the third one's out, and you haven't heard about him having an issue in a long time. I think his second wellness strike was quite a while ago, at least more than five years ago. Um, AEW, I think, is a little bit more of a progressive company, so despite Tessa being a big-time star, I don't necessarily see her going there. Um, but I think it all depends on how controversial... Uh, Tessa and her comments were and uh, will continue to uh, be as they come across the more and more um, people, but I, I don't know how she doesn't go to a bigger platform, but you never know. This might be something where um, she kind of just goes off into obscurity because of all of the controversy and uh, all of the, I guess, legal issues for uh, dealing with the contracts with Impact, but uh, she's definitely a big-time star, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see Tessa Blanchard um, somewhere on television relatively soon. While we're on that topic, we can move on to what we actually did see on television this week and talk about what drew money in This Week in Wrestling.
Drew Money is a segment where I talk about my favorite moments of these shows in this week in wrestling. Um, and we'll start right out with uh, Monday Night Raw, the first show of the week. I uh, actually enjoyed that Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode got traded for AJ Styles. Uh, AJ showed up on SmackDown, uh, what, about a month ago? Um, and he was in the Intercontinental Championship Tournament, and I was definitely confused about this, of how a Raw Superstar was on, uh, was in this SmackDown title, uh, tournament, but, um, turns out AJ was traded for future considerations. I thought this was just gonna be a throwaway, like it was, uh, previously for Alexa Bliss and, uh, Nikki Cross, who were traded from another show, and then it would just ended up being, like, Apollo Crews or something like that was uh, traded, which, I mean, now they're making, uh, if it was Apollo, uh, Apollo's getting a little bit of a, uh, t a lot more television time than he was, so it's turning out to be okay if that was the case, but uh, it looked just like kind of a uh, BS type of trade, um, where WWE was just trying to find a way to move superstars to a, a another show. But this one actually, I think, works out. AJ Styles, great superstar. He gets moved to SmackDown. Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, they're uh, both really good in the ring. They're good on the mic. Uh, probably haven't reached their potential at WWE because uh, they're just not getting uh, that top-level main event um, opportunity uh, anymore. Um... But this is a good trade. They're both great, uh, great wrestlers. They're uh, entertaining, and uh, they can really help, uh, especially with their veteran status. A lot of uh, younger talent um, build themselves up. So this is one of those cases where a trade works out. Um, I really liked the Edge uh, in ring promo. Or I guess in his ring promo, it wasn't it wasn't at the performance center, but. He continues to make it real and personal with Randy. Um, he says, you know, that uh, that rated R superstar is back. You know, that sadistic edge is back. And this uh, segment really, really worked for me. Um, I, I, I don't know how Edge and Randy keep uh, making me want to see another match, but they do. You know, I thought it was done at WrestleMania with them, but they just keep sinking their teeth in deeper and deeper and... Uh, making it go further and further along. Um, so this will probably keep on going until SummerSlam, and then uh, that'll probably be the end of it. But uh, Randy Orton has been great, and uh, I think it is confirmed uh, the Legend Killer is back, and that is awesome. Legend Killer has always been my favorite character uh, of Randy Orton's career, and to see him back, it's really, really cool because... Uh, it'll definitely be a lot tougher to pull off now because Randy Orton, in uh, his own right, is a, is a legend. Uh, at this point, he's been around for almost 20 years, at least 15. Um, so he's got to take down these uh, also legendary type of figures, and they had the Big Show come out. Do I see Big Show as a legend? Uh, not necessarily, but just uh, uh, time, time-wise in the wrestling business, I guess you could... Uh, consider him a legend i mean he's been around for what 25 years at this point so yeah i mean i guess that that could work um and that's an interesting point on just like being around like longevity wise that just you know makes you uh more valuable um in like any job you can 
if you just stick around long enough, you'll probably get put into, you know, better positioning. Um, that seems like what's going on here, and this big show angle seems to be a, uh, uh, pause button for the Edge Randy Orton situation. I'm assuming Randy and Big Show will keep going and uh, have a match at Extreme Rules, and that'll be it, and I'll get back to uh, Randy and Edge uh, really seriously uh, building a story to SummerSlam. But I really like to have... Uh, I really like that they have the Legend Killer back, um, and I look forward to seeing more of uh, what Randy's doing because he has been really, really great uh, this whole year. Um... And also what was really great on Raw was uh, Nia Jax and the Charlotte Flair story. This was interspersed throughout the show. They had three different segments or part of segments. And uh, I really like that type of storytelling when it's uh, uh, a little um, scene throughout the show where, you know, you kind of keep going back to it and you slowly build, you know, one step and another step and another step. And uh, three segments for three hours of Raw, I think, is perfect. Um, it's the right amount. Uh, any more than that, I think, is overexposure. So, but uh, the three is perfect for the hour type of uh, uh, ratio. And that's what I kind of like. So if it was, if it's a two-hour show, you just have one. Uh, if it's separate segments, have it just be two separate segments. If it's a one-hour show, just have one segment. Um, but since Raw is three hours, the three separate segments doesn't bother me. Um, and it's perfect moving towards um, moving towards a, uh, a challenge or a match to be made and uh, a challenge and a match that was made on Raw was the uh, Raw Women's Championship match at Extreme Rules which was Asuka uh, who was challenged by Sasha Banks. I really enjoyed this. Um, Sasha said uh, she was starting to get jealous of her partner Bailey because Bailey has uh, two title belts. Sasha wants to have that feeling. And, uh, you know, they made it look like Sasha was going to challenge Bailey because they've been slowly teasing that breakup for a long time. But uh, I liked that they went with the Raw Women's title, and I kind of had a sense that Sasha, the way she was, uh, her cadence was, that she was gonna say she was going after Asuka in the Raw Women's Title, which I love. I don't, I don't mind. I think this is great. Whether she wins or loses, you have uh, somewhere to go with Sasha and Bailey, and that's ultimately, I think, what uh, uh, the main story is here is Sasha and Bailey. And uh, I'm excited to see where this uh, match goes, whether Sasha wins or loses. Excuse me. Um, it just there was a lot of uh, luck. It was a good equal split on Raw between the men and women. A good time slip between them. It seemed pretty fair with uh, half of it being based on... Uh, or half of it being focused on women, half of it being focused on the men's storylines. Um, and I, I just really enjoy this... Uh, the, the, way the, uh, the way Raw has been laid out uh, for, uh, for the last few episodes. Jumping ahead to Wednesday and NXT... I really like the start of the show with Cameron Grimes, uh, <laughs> what looked like he attacked uh, Damian Priest, and then he came out to the ring and did a funny promo saying uh, <laughs> that Damian Priest was avoiding him and doesn't want to face him, uh, that he even slashed his own tires and is faking this back injury. 
so that he doesn't have to face Grimes. Of course, Priest comes out. Cameron Grimes gets the uh, gets the win because uh, Priest was hurt, and I really like what they're doing with Cameron Grimes here. He's just this like uh, chicken, scaredy cat, coward, goofy heel uh, that is just uh, really entertaining, um, and so he's he's really doing a good job. Um, something I started enjoying this week that I hadn't necessarily been enjoying in previous weeks was the Timothy Thatcher, uh, school coaching sessions, I guess, the, is what I should call them. Um, him showing the moves, I think, uh, is, uh, uh, the way that the Taz technique on AEW should be presented, um, because, uh, the Taz technique, as I'm talking as I'll mention uh, later on in this podcast, uh, is just, you know, I think it's just something corny. Like, they try to make it uh, an analyst type of thing to make it look like that it's, uh, you know, more realistic. Um, But we all know that wrestling's scripted. So uh, Timothy Thatcher made it it look realistic because he was applying the holds. Um, So what AEW... What their goal was, or is, for those Taz segments, the Taz Technique segments, um, is falling short for me, but is actually what WWE is doing with the Timothy Thatcher coaching sessions. So, um, I really enjoyed that, of Thatcher really just beating the crap out of these guys. Um, really billing them as this killer type of, uh, character who can take down anybody. Uh... I like uh, small things, like uh, Adam Cole saying champion instead of saying champion. Makes it unique. Um, gives him something else uh, that differentiates him from the rest of the roster, and that's always good in wrestling. Um, continue to talk about Undisputed Era. His teammate, Roddy Strong. Him running from Dexter Loomis continues to be funny. They are really pulling off this uh, storyline well with Dexter Loomis being this uh, uh, scary guy, scary type of character, and Roddy uh, being afraid of him. And Roddy faced his fears in the trunk this week, but uh, he couldn't uh, face Dexter Loomis in the ring. He said he wasn't ready, and then he ran away because uh, Loomis was freaking him out. Um, so I really like enjoying that. Maybe my favorite part, actually, yeah, my favorite part of NXT was what they've been doing uh, with superstars talking directly to the camera in the ring, not without a, uh, not with a mic or anything, just talking into the camera, but you can audibly hear what the person is saying, and Dakota Kai did that this week. She spoke directly to the camera and challenged Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship match. Um... This had been done previously with Finn Balor when he uh, a couple weeks ago when he said he was going to challenge Keith Lee for the North American title, and I really like this. This is a different uh, type of presentation to um, make a challenge to call somebody out, and uh, unique is always good in wrestling. But uh, moving over to the other Wednesday night wrestling show, which is AEW Dynamite. Um, the first uh, little bit of Dynamite. Uh, I wasn't super enthralled with, but um, when they got to the press conference for the TNT title, 
that grabbed my attention. I really liked uh, the use of Jake Hager's wife in the TNT title uh, press conference. The press conference itself, uh, although it was unique, I didn't necessarily uh, enjoy it all that much. Didn't really get it all that much. Um, you know, it's supposed to be a unique presentation. Um, wasn't really doing it for me, but I at least like that they uh, used Jake Hager's wife instead of uh, Jake being antagonistic. They used his wife to be an antagonizer, and, he, and she uh, threw water into Cody's face, and that was the end of the press conference, and I really liked that. I thought that was a, a clever way to uh, promote the match uh, coming up. Um, another match that's uh, being promoted coming up is... Uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana versus SCU, and uh, the way this came about was Brody Lee has been helping Colt Cabana, and this week, uh, Brody Lee in the Dark Order uh, helped Colt get a win on on uh, Dynamite, which he has in, in quite some time, and uh, this is a cool storyline they're doing where Colt seems to be apprehensive about joining the Dark Order because he's this, you know, really... Uh, white meat, baby face, good guy. And Brody Lee's this, you know, literally dark, you know, dark order, uh, this dark brooding type of bad guy character. Um, but uh, Brody helped Colt get the win, let Colt get the pin, and uh, now they're gonna have another match as a team at uh, Fighter Fest. Um, I don't know if it's next week or the week after. But I really like the storyline. It's uh, very intriguing, and uh, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I also like how, on Dynamite, uh, Sheeta has been uh, feuding with Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford's really stepped it up recently. Um, Sheeta had a match on Dynamite. Uh, it was an enhancement talent match, but when she came out for her entrance, she was uh, talking trash to Penelope Ford. In, uh, and they were going back and forth with each other as Penelope was in the audience. Sheeta went in, had her match. She got a quick win in maybe less than a minute or so and went right back out to fighting Penelope Ford, and they, they were beating each other up. I really enjoyed all of that. Um, the tag team title match video I thought was funny. Um, it was a good balance between the seriousness of a title match um, and, uh, and comedy. I think this is a better way to use the best friends and to utilize the best friends. Um, to me, some of their live promos have come off as a little, uh, just off, basically. Like, a little weird, a little bizarre, something not quite right. Um, which they are supposed to be, like, these a little bit, you know, aloof characters. Um, but, uh... I thought that came across better in this pre-taped segment where best friends were talking about uh, Kenny Omega and Adam Page, the tag team champions, and uh, Kenny and uh, Adam were uh, doing the same for the best friends, and uh, you know it was it was really really uh, good, really clever, and just I thought a well balanced segment, and I hope the best friends have. Uh, uh, do more of this type of um, promotion for their matches instead of the uh, outright promos live. Excuse me. And then the last thing I have listed here for uh, what I liked from Dynamite is uh, the continuation of the Big Swole 
and Britt Baker storyline where uh, Big Swole poured trash on Britt Baker. Britt has been doing a great job of this basically like popular girl character, you know. Um, and uh, it's uh, uh, Big Swole is a good foil to that because that's not what Swole is like. And uh, Swole just wants to get her hands on Britt, but Britt's not cleared to wrestle, so Britt has that like cowardly bad guy thing going on. Um, and, uh, I really enjoy the, uh, progress that, uh, Big Soul has been making and, uh, the spotlight that she, she's been getting and she's, she's been really making, uh, great use of it as has Britt Baker. And, uh, I look forward to more of their storyline as that, uh, as Dynamite, uh, unfolds. Maybe there'll be something on Fighter Fest, uh, but, uh, Fighter Fest is, uh, next week, so... We'll talk about uh, night one of Fighter Fests on next week's podcast. Let's move on to SmackDown. SmackDown centered around The Undertaker and The Undertaker's retirement. Uh, I say that uh, with like quotes around it. I don't think The Undertaker's retired. I don't think he's done. I think he's got a, another match, maybe two matches in him at least. Um, but WWE is at least making it look like he's retired. Um, so there was a uh, first 45 minutes was all undertaker stuff. Then Baron Corbin came out and he was trashing the undertaker, which is, uh, just something you really don't do. And I remember back on a talking smack a few years ago, uh, it was promoting, uh, maybe 2017 or 2000. Yeah, I think it was the 2017 Royal Rumble, the one that was in San Antonio that, uh, Randy Orton won because Nakamura won 2018. And that was in Philly. Um, so 2017, uh, Baron Corbin, the uh, he was on Talking Smack, and he was basically talking about how, you know, The Undertaker's going to be in the Royal Rumble that year, and The Undertaker was saying that uh, there's a whole bunch of graves dug uh, for his opponents, and Baron Corbin said something to the fact, like, well, that's good, you know, uh, because I'm going to fill those holes and the world needs ditch diggers and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, really uh, talking smack about The Undertaker, which you rarely hear about. So Baron came out uh, this week on SmackDown just talking trash, uh, downgrading The Undertaker, what he's accomplished, and he said The Undertaker sucks. Baron Corbin is a great character. Um, and then Jeff Hardy came out to defend Undertaker, uh, which led to a match later on, and they had a couple of uh, interviews with uh, Sarah Schreiber, respectively. Um, I enjoyed Jeff Hardy's interview uh, where he was defending Undertaker. This was very strong. Um, I think this more conversational type of uh, presentation for Jeff Hardy works better instead of him just coming out with a live microphone. If he has somebody to uh, play off of it, it seems to work a little bit better. Um than him just uh, talking in the middle of the ring. And uh, a good uh, way to, uh, uh, to show that, uh, to talk even further about that and uh, why it's a little weird, it was uh, uh, Braun Strowman was a good example of that this week, where Braun uh, sometimes needs somebody else to bounce uh, off of and to play off of. Because Braun came out, and uh, I was really, uh, really uh, torn on how I felt about this promo. Um, his, it was a weird promo. 
I'm going to say that. <laughs> it's definitely weird. But it was captivating, right? He pulled me in. He was good. Uh, the way he delivered it was good. The content of it, though, uh, wasn't as good. And so uh, I'll talk more about that in the next segment, which is the Drew count. Has he got the fingers locked? No, he got him. The Drew Count is a segment that are moments in the shows of This Week in Wrestling that are that I found uh, to uh, complain about, that there's something just like a little off about them. And I had just previously talked about the, the Braun Strowman uh, promo, um, how it was weird, but it was captivating that he was good, but the content was a little odd. And so that's why... I'm continuing talking about that in this segment because it was just like the snake attack story. It was just really, really weird. Like it felt off like that promo was, uh, it started off and Braun was good. And then he went into this weird snake attack story and then came back out of it and was good again, a little bit more sinister, a little bit more dark, um, when he was away from this story, but, um, so it was just, like, up and down, and, uh, that's why I mentioned previously, like, I was torn on how to absorb this segment, because, uh, and I'm still a little, <laughs> a little confused, uh, I'm sure you can hear it, like, I don't know, it was just a week, like, he was talked about how, uh, him and Bray were at the Wyatt compound, and, this water moccasin came up and Bray put his face to the water moccasin and the water moccasin uh, continued to attack Bray and Bray just laughed and like he didn't, nothing happened to him and you know water, water moccasins are venomous I think so Bray would have died, like it's just <laughs> it was a little too far-fetched and I, I know the stuff they do with Bray Wyatt is out there but like this was a little too much that he got you know continuously attacked by a venomous snake and he was just fine and Braun was saying that Bray Wyatt's the devil he's the devil Bobby Boucher uh Bray Wyatt's the devil <laughs> nice little water boy reference for you there but uh yeah it was really really weird I don't I did not get it uh I mentioned the mask thing earlier in uh the the Drew's and Notes segment and that was just something uh, I noticed. Some audience members were in masks, some were not. So I put that on here for the SmackDown uh, things to complain about. Um, but I already talked about that. So um, I'll move on to um, the, the all the all the filler with the Taker recaps. I love The Undertaker. Um, and, but just, you know, the first... One well, of the first 45 minutes of the show that you're trying to draw audience in and uh it's just all like recaps and replays and stuff that i've already seen um so it was from the last ride documentary so it was from his career previously there was the boneyard match so it was just like okay like am i wasting two hours of my life watching this smackdown on stuff that i've already seen luckily it was only just those 45 minutes but uh you know, it was just a, a little too much for me. And then there was also the announcement about Extreme Rules. 
and it just kind of was like flippantly mentioned. It wasn't hyped up or anything like that. Extreme Rules was uh, um, promoted on um, the last pay-per-view, Backlash. And then all of a sudden on SmackDown, it was saying Extreme Rules Horror Show? Um, yeah, there was no explanation. They just added Horror Show to it. Like, Haunted House or... Terror, terror, terrorizing, um, terrifying. I don't know. Gruesome. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know if they're gonna explain that or not. But I sure hope they do. Um, I don't know why they're adding horror show to it. Maybe just to make it uh, more theatrical, uh, so that the audience is expecting more of those uh, cinema cinematic type of segments and wrestling matches and stories, which I'd be fine with as long as they explain that and say like, oh, this Extreme Rules horror show is going to be like the greatest uh, scary movie you've ever seen. So, you know, you're expecting cinematography and not wrestling. Like wrestling horror, I think of like barbed wire matches and death matches and Mick Foley getting thrown off the hell in the cell like that's what i think of as horrifying like blood and guts horrifying um so i hope they clarify that if it's more like oh just like cinematically horrifying or like wrestling wise gruesome horrifying um because there's a whole bunch of different genres of horror there's the gore there's the psychological thrillers there's you know emotional thrillers the uh, uh just straight up like scare tactic thrillers um so i hope that's a little bit more well defined uh throughout the next couple weeks because they have a lot of time they have about three more weeks to build to um extreme rules um horror show and uh yeah i hope they define that a little bit more for us or at least for me because i was confused on that something else i'm a little confused on and uh, wondering about is uh, why are champions coming out first in title matches on Raw? Um, all three of the title matches that were promoted for Raw before the show, the champions came out first, which maybe that's just me uh, being a traditionalist. I think the champions should always come out second. Um, this is something that's, you know, taken from the boxing world. Um, and, you know, UFC's continued it, where the champion comes out second. Um, it's just traditionally uh, what it's always been. The spotlight gets put on the champion because they're holding the prestigious title. Um, it's just a little weird to me that, you know, champions, champions coming out first in these title matches. I don't know uh, why that happened. Also, uh, talking about the title matches... There were two title matches in a row. There was the men's tag team title match, and then the women's tag team title... No, it was just the women's title match. The The men's... The women's tag team title match was later on in the show. Um, but anyway, yeah, there were two title matches in a row. The uh, all-protagonist Viking Raiders versus Street... Yeah, Viking Raiders versus Street Profits tag title match uh, occurred, which, you know, I've complained about it's a little weird like they're both good guys who do i root for um that match happened and then the women's title match happened right after that 
Um, I was just confused on this. You promoted... Excuse me. WWE promoted three title matches for the show. You have three hours of Raw. Why not do a, a title match per hour? So this is something like I've been talking about with just uh, you know, the, the segments and ratio of like, you know, however many hours you have, that's how many whatevers you should have. So if you have three hours, you should have, you know, uh, th uh, maximum three separate segments for the same storyline. Um, or three title matches, you should have one an hour. Um, and that's not what Raw did. And I just thought that was a, a little bit bizarre. Um... Let's see, do I want to move to NXT or AEW here? Um, we'll continue talking about uh, WWE. Let's talk about NXT and uh, things that I don't necessarily uh, feel are right with NXT this week. Um, to me, there's something a little off with the... Um, uh, with with uh, Bronson Reed and Aaliyah that I don't like. I'm not 100% sure what it is. Um, for Aaliyah, I think for me, it's more she plays wrestler, like she's acting, she's trying hard, like you can tell she's trying hard, um, and it's not like a natural extension of her, um, and so uh, it just feels off with her character, whereas Bronson Reed, I think he has a little bit of that too, where it seems like he's trying hard to be this big, scary, brooding uh, powerhouse character, um, and he's just not, uh, he's just not to me, I don't know, maybe he hasn't had the time invested in him yet to, uh, make me feel like that's what he is, um, and that could be part of the problem, but there's just something off about those two, um, Bronson Reed and Aaliyah, and, uh, uh, in the Aaliyah match, uh, Robert Stone is now her manager, She's part of the Stone brand, the Robert Stone brand. And Robert Stone threw a shoe at Rhea Ripley and hit Rhea Ripley. Now, this should have been the end of the match. This is a, should have been a disqualification, um, technically, because it was a foreign object um, that was used against the opponent. The ref didn't call for the bell, um, but this continued uh, the storyline between Robert Stone and Rhea Ripley, which... Uh, the next segment, uh, William Regal, the GM of NXT, made a match between Rhea Ripley and Robert Stone. I'm not 100% sure how I feel about this. This is a, a, a mixed match. It's a, uh, intergender wrestling match. Um, I'm sure I know how it's going to go. I'm sure Rhea's probably going to dominate the match. Um... I'm intrigued by it because we haven't seen this in a very long time on WWE, but it's also like um, corporate-wise, does the WWE has to be very careful about a man versus a woman in a match? So there, there, you know, can't be any kicking or punching, anything like that, especially from the man to the woman. Um, if they just do, you know, lockups and moves to each other, um, I think that's a little bit better. Um, like when Baron Corbin did the, uh, end of days to Becky Lynch, which is the last time I can remember 
men and women having some sort of interaction and the men doing something to the woman. Um, that was fine, because that's a move, but there's something just about, like, you know, kicking and punching from a man to a woman uh, that just uh, doesn't look good. And, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, uh, abuse-wise. Um, and it's just, uh, uh, with WWE being a global company with lots of sponsors, lots of advertisers, they really have to... I mean, even that it's NXT on the... Um, least watched brand um, that they have on the USA Network they have to be careful the way this is structured um, so that's why it's just you know it's a, a tough line to uh, to navigate I'm sure they'll they'll figure out a way because WWE always figures out a way um, but it's just a little just a little off and then something else that I thought was a little off on NXT was the Great American Bash that they announced. Um, I didn't see any advertisement for this on NXT. Granted, I fast-forwarded through a lot of the matches, um, and uh, I, I record NXT and don't watch it live, so I have the luxury of fast-forwarding through a good amount of stuff. So maybe they did a couple of advertisements for it um, at the end or before commercial breaks. Um, but to me, this is obviously a clear... Um, just response to AEW's Fighter Fest, right? AEW has been promoting Fighter Fest for weeks at this point, although, you know, not great. Excuse me, because they were saying, uh, Fighter Fest. They were originally saying, Fighter Fest sometime this summer. And then the next week, they were saying, uh, okay, it's gonna be on TV. Um, which I'm still not 100% happy with. But, um, the Great American Bash. WWE didn't even pro promote this at all. I've rarely seen anything on social media about about the Great American Bash, and it is two weeks. It's going to be July 1st, July 8th, just like Fighter Fest for AEW. So this is just a clear response to try to get viewership, and, uh, you know, they're trying to be competitive, and I get it, and that's fine and dandy and all that, but it's like, come on, this is a clear response. Like, why don't you just promote your own show, you know, in a couple of weeks or whatever? Or, you know, do a takeover and call it Great American Bash. You know, take over Great American Bash. I think that would have been fine. I don't know. I didn't really like that. Uh, NXT's clearly just doing this to uh, try to take viewers away from Fighter Fest. And while we're on the subject of Fighter Fest, let's continue talking about that in AEW Dynamite. Um, I've noticed there's a lot of tag matches on Fighter Fest. Lots and lots of tag matches. I don't know, at least four or five. Um, I don't even know how many matches there are on Fighter Fest, but it being split into two nights doesn't make it seem like it's all that big of a deal. It's kind of like the Bash at the Beach or the Jericho Cruise that uh, AEW Dynamite did previously. Um, if these were pay-per-views, yeah, I think they'd be big deals, but... Uh, it's just kind of seems like they're normal shows just with a special name. Um, but uh, AEW Dynamite this week started out with a Lumberjack match. And I gotta say, Lumberjacks did a real bad job. Um, they did not help the, the wrestlers really get back in the ring at all. They pretty much just beat each other up outside of the ring. Um, and a Lumberjack match is supposed to keep the wrestlers in the ring, and there was about five minutes where both competitors, Luchasaurus and uh, Wardlow, were outside of the ring, 
And so it's like, what's the point of the lumberjacks if they're not gonna do their job? Why are we having a lumberjack match? Maybe that's just me, a more traditional WWE type of watcher, and not, and then maybe this is more of a independent wrestling type of styling for the uh, lumberjack match. Um, you know, which is more on me for not being educated on that as well, but um, it's just weird. Like, a lumberjack match that's supposed to keep the wrestlers in the ring. Why are they wrestling for five minutes outside of the ring? Not a good look to me. Um, I mentioned the Taz technique when I was talking about the Timothy Thatcher uh, coaching sessions on NXT and how I like the, the coaching sessions and that I don't like the Taz technique. I still think this thing is stupid. Um... I, it's just a waste of time to me. Uh, I've already mentioned it multiple times before on this podcast and this segment, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, I really thought the Lucha Brothers' return was very, very lackluster. There was no hype from the announcers whatsoever, and the production showed the Lucha Brothers before um, the Butcher and Blade gave the verbal cue that they were there. Uh, I think this could have done in a, been done in a different way uh, that uh, they should have just had the Lucha Brothers come out of nowhere and attack FTR instead um, and just have uh, have them just, you know, pop up um, and beat up uh, FTR instead of showing them in the ring and Butcher and Blade, you know, they're trying to do this uh, promo saying like, oh, and we got our mystery partners. It's like, but we already know what the mystery is. The mystery's been solved before <laughs> before the mystery is given. It's like uh, it's like going to a whodunit movie, and uh, you know they tell you who done it before the <laughs> before the uh, mystery of the whole movie starts to unfold. I I didn't like the production of it. They could have done a better job with that. But, um, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, weird. That's one of those things that AEW can learn from WWE. Like, if it's going to be a surprise, or it's supposed to be a surprise, make it a surprise. Don't ruin the surprise. Because, the way they built that, it seems like the climax had already been, uh, reached or, you know, the, the resolution, whatever you want to say, the, uh, the reveal had already been made before the, you know, question or anything was brought up. So it was just a little weird. Um, I like that the Lucha Brothers are back. It's just, and the announcers too, like that was on them too. Just the whole production of that was, uh, was off. Um, but, uh, that'll do it for this, uh, this Drew Count segment, I'll stop complaining, and uh, we'll move on to the redrew. In this redrew segment, I get my overall rating and impression of these shows in this week. And wrestling, but I don't give uh, letter grades or star grades or number grades, nothing like that. I do my own unique uh, grading system. And uh, so, starting with Monday Night Raw this week, I'm giving Monday Night Raw the grading of mini golf. So, mini golf's pretty fun for me. 
sometimes I screw up every once in a while um, and uh, uh, you have a bad putt or a bad hole but it's usually pretty easy pretty fun pretty enjoyable that's what raw was for me it was a pretty enjoyable show couple of things just a little off um, especially when I had to do with the the title matches um, whether it's um, the the tag titles uh, being in a good guy versus good guy match or uh, two title matches in a row or champions coming out at the first title matches but uh, I really liked pretty much everything else so it's interesting the uh, things that uh, were advertised for raw I felt were a little off but everything else that wasn't advertised I thought was pretty good um, moving forward to AEW Dynamite uh, I'm giving AEW Dynamite the rating of a K-Cup this week um, I don't drink coffee um, but I do use uh, I do have a Keurig I like to use it for tea sometimes and uh, it's quick it's enjoyable um, every once in a while you get a bad taste though, uh, like the grains, the, uh, the grounds or the grains get into the, uh, into the, uh, drink and it's a little awesome. You, you'll take a sip every once in a while and you're like, oh, what is that? Got a little, a little bit of uh, something in, in the drink there. So that's what a K-Cup was, uh, or that's what AEW Dynamite was for me. It was a K-Cup. Uh, it was pretty enjoyable. It seemed to go by pretty quickly, but, uh. Had a couple of things that were, you know, a little off about it. Um, as for NXT, I'm giving NXT the rating of an essay. So it seemed like there were a couple of writing errors, but it was fine overall. Um, and that's what happens in an essay. And, you know, I don't know uh, what it is, but uh, there must be some sort of correlation thing going on in my mind with, uh, you know, teaching and grading and uh, an essay and there's there's some sort of uh, joke or uh, connection in there uh, with what I'm doing in the segment but I don't know quite what it is so I'm gonna move forward on to Smackdown and I'm giving Smackdown the rating of a half moon cookie so half of it was enjoyable the other half eh. so I'm a big fan of uh, chocolate not so much vanilla so in a half moon cookie, there's chocolate and vanilla. So I don't really like frosting. It's not terrible, but it's just like, eh, it tastes all right. Like I eat it, I digest it, um, but it's uh, it's all right. But the the chocolate half, ah, oh, it's great. I always save that for last, and the, that's what SmackDown was. So the first part with all the Undertaker stuff, that was the vanilla. That was the eh, I had to get through this so I could get to the good stuff, which was the the chocolate, the uh last hour 15 of the show in SmackDown. So uh, I really enjoyed uh, that hour and 15. I thought that was well produced. But the uh, the first part with all the Undertaker stuff, eh, it was just, you know, it was what it was. Um, and this podcast is what it is and will be what it is. Um, but I'm going to finish up here. Um uh, I don't think I have too much more to talk about, but if you have something you want to talk about or uh, you want me to uh, discuss or you just want to have a little bit of dis uh, conversation with me, you can reach out to me uh, at Perfect Catch 
podcast uh, um, um, SoundCloud page. Um, that's where this will be um, posted. But if you want to reach out to me on anything social media, I am at DWOPod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DWOPod. If you want to send an email, um, you can send an email to uh, at DWOPod at gmail.com. Um, or you could even send an email to perfectcatchpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I also run that and look at that, um, pretty much daily. So, um, if you're on the SoundCloud page, the Perfect Catch Podcast SoundCloud page, and, uh, you listen to the show and you wanted to send an email or some, uh, feedback, you can do that as well from perfectcatchpodcast at gmail.com as well. But mainly the, I try to keep it separated and, uh, all the DWO pod, the Drew World Order podcast is, uh, is, is different. Um, so there's Drew World Order podcast on all podcasting platforms. You can find it. Uh, tell a friend. Just tell them to search Drew World Order podcast and they'll be able to find it. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at DWO pod. Gmail, as I said, at, uh, is at uh, DWO pod at gmail.com. Um, where it applies, give a like, a follow, subscribe to the show. Share the show, retweet the show, send a comment, leave a review, send an email if you want to send in any further support. You can click these support links on uh, the Perfect Catch Sound, Perfect Catch Podcast SoundCloud page or the DWO Anchor page. Um, and anything you send will be uh, put right back into the podcast for either promoting or getting new equipment, better equipment for uh, audio quality. Um, so if you have any, uh, feedback or anything you want me to talk about, or, uh, if you want me to do a, uh, watch along, I've got a couple of requests for a watch along, which I'm eventually going to get around to doing. Um, I'm, I'm logging it. I'm keeping track of it. So if you send those and, uh, I'll make note of it and I'll eventually get around to it. Um, but I really do want this to be an interactive podcast. So I'd like to hear from you. Um, and hopefully uh, you enjoyed your listening experience hearing from me. And uh, wear your masks. Keep washing your hands. Try to stay away from other people as much as possible. As uh, tough as that sounds, try to stay at home and isolate yourself. And, uh, and so we can uh, hopefully cut down on this coronavirus that is uh, affecting uh, the wrestling world now with the WWE and, uh, of course, the rest of the world. Um, stay safe. Stay healthy. Be well. I hope your listening experience was Drew Sweet.